This weekend at the box office, Disney gave thanks for the MCU as their strange world received very little holiday travelers. Plus, Netflix toyed with the movie going public as Glass Onion peeled back layers and layers of business. And season screenings continue, so travel back to 1978 to attend the band's last ever performance. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this, the 219th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week, we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah. And I think it's really a shame that despite what is clearly uh, a rising star in the making, uh, moviegoers are clearly not quite yet devoted to Jonathan Majors. Mm. That's true. Uh, That didn't do well. No. No, it did not. And uh, bones and all, more like bones and a few. <laughs> <laughs> no bones about it. <laughs> that movie's a flop. <laughs> I wait. Bones means money too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And what's the, is there a term for that specifically, or no? I uh, no. I think you, I think you just use bones interchangeably with money. All right. Well, whatever. All right. I. Uh, and we'll talk about that soon, but before we do, it is time for my traditional top five. I This week, in honor of Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, I have ranked the top five uh, Beatles song titles for use in a future Knives Out movie. Okay. Interesting. Thank you. I thought so, too. Uh, number five is A Day in the Life. Uh, I'm picturing this as... The day that Benoit Blanc is not seeking out a mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been called to the scene of the crime. He has not been Duh. perhaps employed. Yeah, we by, can't, can't uh, give any spoilers for Glass Onion. No, I uh, I suppose not. Uh, he's just out. He's looking for groceries. Sure. Uh, you know, just living his uh, living his life in the bath. And he comes across uh, a mystery that needs solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, on his uh, on his holiday, uh, and I think that would work quite well. Number four, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, a Knives Out mystery. Yes, I uh, Bungalow Bill is of course the one that got away. What's his name? Bungalow Bill. Okay, I. Uh, That's his former lover. <laughs> a cr- criminal, criminally speaking. Spoiler alert for. <laughs> Yeah. Glass onion, that dude gay. <laughs> Benoit Blanc gets bent over by Bungalow Bill. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> they like that they both have the double B thing going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, Bungalow Bill is his nemesis, the one that he knows did it, but could oh, not. Oh, Moriarty. It. Yes, okay. exactly. I, and so he he needs to finally get him, mm-hmm. <laughs> finally nail him on this one. <laughs> I uh, number three, I think, needs no explanation. It is help. A knife's out mystery. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what he does. Someone's shouting for help all the time. I uh, number two, I really enjoy the magical mystery tour. Okay. I uh, I'm thinking perhaps a uh, 
this 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 could go this could go either way. You either play into the magical bit, and like Benoit Blanc is confronted with uh, some sort of seemingly supernatural crime. I uh, you know he's he spends the whole movie being like you know I am a man of logic and reason, and I cannot square this away. Could it actually be true that a witch did this? Uh, and then, of course, there is a logical explanation at the end. We don't need to turn this into uh, a magic movie. Uh, I think it could also... Now you see me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it could also function as sort of a uh, a movie of vignettes. Uh, you know, sort of a uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, mm-hmm. uh, except of, uh, of Benoit Blanc solving uh, little mini-mysteries. And then number one, uh, I think, is the clear runaway winner here. Uh, Happiness is a warm gun, which just straight up sounds like a uh, like a James Bond title. Yeah. Uh, and would would be perfect for the affair, I think. Let's talk our actual top five. This weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend, in fact, uh, saw the top five be Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Strange World, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Devotion, and The Menu. And that top grosser was, as you mentioned, once again, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That made $45.9 million over the weekend. That was just the three-day. Uh, a lot of these numbers uh, will be uh, will be a little skewed because of the holiday this week. But Black Panther is up to $367.6 million. Yeah, so that's a nice hold for weekend three, 31%. I don't think anyone's going to be complaining. And it did get a nice boost from Wednesday and uh, Thursday as well. I believe it's at 64 for those, so an additional 19 or so. I can bet that. And uh, uh, 367, so it is past... The current totals of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, it's about to pass Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And it has already passed the July release, Thor Love and Thunder. On its way sailing over um, $400 million domestic. And especially with Strange Worlds not doing well, uh, we are going to be looking at a... Uh, uh, Hopefully, a sustained leggy run is the only big film until Avatar at this point. Um, even especially for kids, because uh, yeah. Strange World's not going to be in theaters much longer. Um, worldwide, it currently sits at six seventy five. So, still looking at you know, over, between eight fifty and nine hundred worldwide. And I would say, with the fact that Strange World is underperforming, um, for. 15 to 430, just a solid total, not what people were expecting. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to harp on it. Yeah. But um, as as I kind of previewed, this this week did help it regain some steam. It, 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 it is on track now to surpass uh, Doctor Strange 2 when the opening weekend was, I think, was uh, maybe slightly under or just right around what that had made. So things are, are, are looking uh, look good. This weekend definitely helped. Yeah. I... Number two this weekend was Strange World, which opened uh, to a three-day of $11.9 million. With the five-day, it made eighteen point six. What do you know about Strange World, Noah? Strange World is a Disney film uh, 
about a Name the t- one person in Strange World. Like an actor? Yeah. Doing a voice work in Strange World? Yeah. I uh, No. Okay. Now what <laughs> is won't. it about? The movie. Okay. So what it seems to be about is your uh, your your typical uh, average family. Uh you know, sort of uh beleaguered father, uh, enthusiastic mother, uh, two to three small children. The father has a mustache. They drive a station wagon, I assume. Uh, you know, just they, they live Are your you everyday like boring life. actually saying the Mitchells versus the Machines? No, I just feel like a lot of these movies kind of, okay. uh, kind of draw on that sort of, uh, that similar trope there. But then they find themselves, and this is really the hook, in something of a strange world. <laughs> And they have to save the day. If this I is told all I you have. that Strange World had openly gay characters, as I would have, from what I've heard, a major plot point. Okay, like just they're in the movie. Uh-huh. It's not like a background hug. Would that surprise you? Would it surprise me? I mean, a little. Would it did- surprise you that you knew nothing about that? Well, I think that's kind of why it doesn't surprise me. I feel like D- Disney has been inching, inching closer and closer towards not being freaked out by gay people for a while now. Uh, and so I am not surprised to find that uh, what sounds like their uh, biggest exposure to gay characters yet uh, is contained in a movie that you could have been pretty certain from the jump that no one would ever see. And so they wouldn't get in trouble and for And that particular um, kind of big deal aspect of it uh-huh. was hidden entirely from the marketing and from yeah, the publicity it didn't come up. of the movie. Um, they thought it would just be a nice surprise. No, they were afraid that parents wouldn't take kids. They want to have their tea and spit in ours. That's my I, instead I, of have your cake and eat it right. too. I like that. They want to have their tea. You should keep working that in. And spit in ours. They they, they want to present a progressive movie uh, that will already get the right-wing parents in the theater before they realize it's too late. Yes. Um, Right-wing parents lining up to see Strange World. Now, I'm not saying that if this movie had promoted the fact that it featured this couple... To whatever degree, I haven't seen the movie that they do, um, that it would have meant a $30, $40 million opening weekend. Uh, nor do I, am I at all saying that the fact that it does have this couple, and that has been the subject of uh, some Twitter uh, debates uh, recently, um, hurt the film and stopped it from opening to 30 and 40. Right. This was never going to make money. No, um, this, this is just sort of a an unrelated act of cowardice, Yeah, it, it sounds like. It is interesting how much it reminds me of their bomb films during their low point in their history. So, Treasure Planet. Okay. Um, Atlantis, The Lost Emperor. Sure. It feels like those kind of inconsequential movies, as opposed to, you know, Wreck-It Ralph and Tangled and Moana. You know, not even like Frozen. I'm just leaving that out of it. Right. But uh, just Zootopia. Just these... 
movies that you're like, oh yeah, those were huge movies. This feels more like a 2002 movie, right? 2004 movie from Disney, Except Home on the Range. I bet I bet you've got plenty of people. Home on the Range is good. So I was gonna say, I bet you've got plenty of people out there that are like, oh, you know, Treasure Planet, Treasure Planet rules. I love Milo. He's so hot with his glasses. I I don't think anyone's gonna be coming I'm out a here in 15 years. Year old who loves Milo with his glasses. <laughs> This is good. You should develop this character further. <laughs> Your 34-year-old Treasure Planet fan. They're out there. <laughs> no, I know He's it. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he's a nerd, but he's hot. Um. Anyway, you know. Do you think they want to fuck Milo, or do they want to be fucked by Milo? <laughs> Whatever Milo wants. <laughs> uh, so Milo's in charge. <laughs> I just find them. I just find the whole like, oh, that anime character's so hot to just be like, come on, man, just stop. Like, I thought I thought Jasmine was hot as shit when I was a kid, but like, I'm not. I'm not now. Just going like, oh, Jasmine's so pretty, right? <laughs> and if you are thinking that, you're keeping fair, it. To yourself. I live a lonely life, so maybe I should think that way. There are people who find, the, you know, relationships based on this stuff, but. Uh, no, Train Strange World wasn't going to do well, no. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be on Disney Plus real soon. They're not releasing it in most of the world. Why would that be? Because they don't want to get in trouble. Yes, because of its uh, uh, characters that are uh, queer. So they're not the releasing the, it. The rest of the world would, you know how sometimes they change the title of a movie, like in France or whatever? Yeah. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, this is being released as Gange World. <laughs> Gange. Like gange. Oh, <laughs> um, I need to telegraph it. Also, they won't release it. No, they're not going to release it in uh, many parts of the world because it'll bomb. And also for uh, the fact that it has queer characters, it's it's really kind of cowardice on their part. But um, this wasn't going to do well. And I, I wonder if this. Oh, this is a fun stat that I pulled up. This opened to 11. We'll say 12. So it went to 12 over the weekend and 18 and a half. Okay. Over the five day. Cru- the Crudes, a new age? Yeah. Released during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. Released November 25th. Two days ago. 2020. Grossed in its opening weekend over Thanksgiving. 9.7 and 15. That's not that far off. No, and theaters like weren't really open then. No, it it opened in uh, uh, two thousand two hundred theaters. This opened in four. This opened in almost forty two hundred theaters. Almost two thousand more theaters. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking theaters. Yeah, it's so of many. It's a lot of theaters. Um, no, the movie looked boring. I remember we we saw. A tr- I saw maybe one trailer for this. Yeah. I was just like, this looks terrible. Here's the thing about the trailers for this movie. Uh, and it's sort of Also, a... it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid, among others. Interesting. There's a, a clip running around of them at an interview where the camera person goes, so does it feel... So, yes, reuniting after a day after... You're reuniting as father and son. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, in what? And they're like, in the day after tomorrow. And he's like... He was the dad. He was my dad in the day after tomorrow. <laughs> you were the guy in the day after tomorrow. It's like, yep, I was. He was. That was him. And I can't tell if he was joking or oh, not. God. Well, he's a strange guy. Could yeah. go either way. I. 
Anyway, you know, I often talk about trailers for movies and how, like, the new trailer for a Pixar movie will come out. Elemental. It's just a sort of a pastel wonderland of magic. And you're like, wow, I... This this look this looks so cool. There's there's balloons. There's a fireman. What have you? And then eventually they have to release a trailer that's just like the plot the of plot, the film. Yeah. And you're like, oh, right. I liked it the other way. Right. I this movie never did that. I think. I don't I think know. the whole time it was just kind of the wonderful strange world trailer. Except that trailer, no, as I you will, mentioned, sucked. I will show you the 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 full trailer that I saw twice. That because I saw. Ooh, can I, was, I make a prediction as to what it'll open to? <laughs> for the record, <laughs> when I saw Wakanda Forever on Wednesday, <laughs> the day this came out, Strange World came uh-huh. out and bombed. That trailer came on, and uh, and I was with my mom, and I saw the Disney logo, and I thought it was the new Pixar movie. Okay, so I was like, oh, look at this. And then it, the, the Disney animation came on. And I went, oh, never mind. I looked at it, I was like, never mind. <laughs> it's not interesting. Also, I was like, this is really funny. Though this is, it's playing right now to empty yeah. theaters, and there's a trailer for it. Um, no, it does that thing where the kids' trailers do, where someone will go like. Uh, um, uh, uh, you know what's in here, and they'll like open a thing, and slime will get dumped on them, and it'll cut to like a dog going like, you know, nice. that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. <laughs> the dog looking on, yeah, or like an alien just going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoa, like that's gross, or yeah. like pulling their 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 fur Does collar. Not compute. Yeah, 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 or like uh like like a kid like uh f- like in a let's say it's like a daytime scene. Yes. And like an alien creature will fart. This isn't happen in the movie, but this is what I'm talking about. This is a daytime. This is important. It's a daytime scene. An alien creature will fart, and then it'll cut to someone who is with that creature in the daytime. Probably the same scene, going like laughing, and then it'll cut to a nighttime scene, and a different character will go, "Well, I'm gonna be sick." Yeah. And you're like, "Well, those are." different scenes and you just put it together because that sounds like a soundbite for that that kind of thing really upsets me um and this is what that trailer's like and it looks like garbage and it probably is let's move on glass onion and knives out mystery made 9.4 million dollars in only 696 theaters uh this weekend it's five day total is 13 to say well you can start as soon as i finish uh saying point two the floor is yours. <sighs> all right. So if, uh, there's a few things here. First of all, I'm surprised that Netflix released these. I think this is more industry estimates as opposed to Netflix released numbers. Okay. This is like info that um, uh, uh, distributors gave or whatever, but I Netflix doesn't really release these kind of numbers, but maybe they did. I don't know. Either way, this is the best um, opening for a Netflix movie, it beats uh, uh, Red Notice last year, which had one like one, one point two five to one point five three day opening. Again, numbers were not officially released. Okay, but yeah, per theater average thirteen point five. Do you, do you recall the numbers for Knives Out? Uh, no, I do not. Take a guess. All right. You know what kind of impact it had. It got a sequel. You're talking opening weekend per theater average. No, not per theater. theater. It opened on a Wednesday, so I will let you do the five day. Okay. It opened over Thanksgiving in 2019. Okay. So what do we think the five day was? Original. Yeah. 
kind of comedy. I I don't want to go too far and ruin the point here, so I'm going to say $35 million. $41 million. Damn, now, where, did, where did it finish at? I, domestic. Knives Out finished domestically at... Thank, thank you. You already have your opening, 41. Yeah, yeah. Now, that was just for the five-day. Right. The opening was like more like 25, something like that. So, yeah. go ahead. I... Hundred and twenty. Hundred and sixty five million dollars. Okay. Okay. An enormous hit for original cinema. So we got a sequel, and I'll talk about that in a second, but um it's the discourse that I want to talk about here. And I've talked about this with you, and you disagree with me, and I talked about this with Joe, and he says that I made him come with what I said. Um <laughs> true words. So we've we've got the uh, we've got the wide yeah, spectrum the disparity of, of takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, woo! That was enough. Huge bust is the exact text. Nice. Um, <laughs> so Ryan, so Lionsgate made Ryan Johnson an offer. Yeah. For the theatrical, you know, uh, basically it was a Lionsgate movie they distributed. So they had first rights. To offer uh, the the production company, Rod Johnson owns the rights to the franchise. They had the first right of refusal or offer for the franchise. Yeah. So they did, and then Ryan and his company heard takes from other people. He ended up signing with uh, Netflix for two movies for four hundred million dollars, where he gets complete creative control. Something that I probably Lionsgate would all, would have offered him also. I sure. can imagine they would be like, you know. Come back, but we will have notes. Um, it got, it, this got nominated for Best Original Screenplay Oscar. This is, this is a big deal. He signed with Netflix uh, in March 2021. So probably that deal was happening over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, at a time when theatrical return was questionable. Right, we were yeah. just a year out from the pandemic. Theaters had not yet officially reopened. Uh, the Kong uh, versus Godzilla that saved the box office was uh, either just happened when this was announced, which means the papers were signed just before that came out, um, and so the, uh, the the future of theatrical release was um, questionable. Ryan signed on for he stands to make between these two films a hundred million dollars. Okay. Okay. So I love Ryan Johnson. Sure. I love Knives Out. Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie of all time. Looper. Didn't like Looper. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe I'll like it. I don't sure. know. I, Maybe, yeah, I, I also think it could be better than I remember. Yeah, and I, I want to see Brick again. I was too not too young. I just wasn't in the right space for it. Uh, and Glass Onion's a blast. Yeah. Right? So nothing against him, but this was a big sellout for me. It was incredibly disappointing for all the filmmakers during the pandemic going, we're coming back to movies and, you know, we, we value the theatrical experience pulling, uh, the hardest thing you can do in movies right now is launch a box office viable original franchise for theaters. He did it and then signed his soul in the dotted line to Netflix. It really upset me. It showed a lack of faith or care about theatrical movie going, and he went after the money. Because again, again, 
Lionsgate would have given him not only a great deal and probably the back end points he'd want, uh-huh. but creative freedom. So it's not about that, that he could make whatever movie he wanted. Um, but there's something to the fact now, is what I was texting with Joe, that the movie is about, um, you know, everyone now is like, it's so, you know, prescient, right? The first one was about how the rich treat, uh, um, uh, uh, the working class, yeah. right, and immigrants, sure. And this is about how the rich treat the the uber rich treat the other rich, or whatever, sure. You know, this is a scathing take of the ho- of the upper class, and he's lampooning Musk, and isn't this crazy how this is happening as this Twitter stuff is happening? Um, but can you lampoon the uber rich while making a hundred million dollars for your movie? I mean, that's just. I said when I texted Joe was like it's he's going like no no no, no. it's the uber rich, the billionaires are terrible hundred million dollars well they're okay I mean they got to put food on the table it's the uber billionaires who lose sight of everything it's a little shaky with me in that regard that and it's not his fault it's just Twitter's giving him all that kind of credit of like look at this like you know he's zoroing the takedown yeah um and. Uh, I don't blame Netflix for this. They had to make an offer. He's taking offers. Uh huh. They had to go after this. It's their business model. It's what they do. He did not have to sign on the dotted line. Netflix had to make the offer for this because that's what they do. He did not have to sign on. So it's it's tough. Obviously, the whole point of this is that this movie made... $9 million, $13 million. This would have exploded, especially looking at the lack of competition, Strange World and Devotion actually did. Like, there was a hole here for a new, big, move, feel-good movie uh-huh. that if Netflix, and I, I do give Netflix the blame for not releasing this in theaters, I think it's terrible decision-making on their part. They only do this to bump up their release. And the reason why I say toy with audiences is... This is them spitting in the face of people who love the theatrical experience and theaters going like, look what we could have given you. We gave you scraps, but look what we could have offered you. Look how much money it made. Whoa, did you want it to make more? Did you want to be more theaters? No. Also, I did read that there is a clause in the contract that once it premieres on Netflix in December, theaters do have the opportunity to put it back into theaters. Okay. Once it comes out, but... By that point, you know, sure, um, stuff going on, and it's already come out, and it's like it's not going to be like the big, you know, come yeah. and see it. Um, so yes, Netflix, if they release those numbers, did it solely to just tease us. Um, but th- th- this would have been a, I think this could have opened to more than the first one, or right around that much. This could have cruised as the second option, just because Black Panther is no longer going to be like the second like default choice. It's long, it's somber, all that kind of stuff. Glass Onion could have been the second default choice for the rest of winter um, in theaters along with Avatar. And uh, and it's a shame that it's not. And I think that there's fault on, on Netflix's uh, side and Ryan Johnson. And uh, the movie's great. He made a great movie. I'm looking forward to the next one. But it's just like, it's just so tough to see. <laughs> it really could have made a dent. Yeah. I think that whenever you have the opportunity to lay the primary blame on like the corporation that is destroying things uh, versus like the one, the one person responsible for one movie. 
and you choose the person instead of the corporation as the primary like focus of your lens i think it's just kind of losing sight of the uh, of the bigger well in the bigger this picture no, i'm not blaming ryan johnson for the end of original cinema or like the uh, you know um theater first movie going mm-hmm. i agree that's netflix to blame i blame ryan johnson for taking what could have been a beacon of hope for that yeah which I- is something that was so well explored in the last jedi <laughs> And uh, and snuffing it out with the signing of a pen. I do, I look at this the exact same way that I look at like athletes going to teams. I like I just I I can't I can't ever fault someone for being offered a hundred million dollars and being like yes I would I would like that I would I would like a hundred million dollars. This is like if in his prime, LeBron James left uh-huh. American basketball. And so in 2013, LeBron James left American basketball and signed with a D-League team in China because they offered him a billion dollars. I I don't I don't think it no is. because we're losing what he's giving to American basketball, uh-huh. i.e. the theatrical movie going and going to a country that's booming that type of business and playing in a smaller arena where he is threatened to have his movie forgotten as so many Netflix movies yeah. are. I th- I th- I think it is more akin to what like what actually happened there in LeBron leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, the you know the sort of. Uh, young, homegrown, uh, beleaguered team, uh, and instead going to join up with the okay. uh, flashy, expensive Miami Heat. Nobody blamed the Heat. Yeah, I, I mean, but like everyone hated LeBron. Yeah, but they decision. didn't hate LeBron for going to the Heat. They hated LeBron for being a dick about it. No, they they hated LeBron for going with the guaranteed win and signing up with his two friends. And taking and taking his down softly. They they hated him for how he did it as well. I agree, but like people weren't glad that they lost their first thirty games or whatever because of the decision program that he put on. They did it because they thought he made a very selfish move. Um, and, and yeah, maybe. Not- and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not talking about how other people feel about these things. I'm just talking about how I feel. And that like, if you. If you go to the team that offers you the most money, like fine, because you're you are a person who's like primary uh, duty is to is to yourself and to your family and to like the life you're living as opposed to the uh, so the institution that you he exist couldn't in. have skirted by on like fifty million dollars. No, I'm just he couldn't I'm, have supported his family. No, that I I don't think that's what I said. You did. You uh, said we, for the we benefit could, of his family, he's doing it for you know what's to help himself and to help I, help his family. What, what I'm what I'm saying is that it's very easy to sit here and say that he should have turned down fifty million dollars or however however many million dollars he made at Netflix versus sticking with Lionsgate or going to Warner Brothers or whatever. I. Uh, but like fifty million dollars, fifty million dollars, and it's. I think I think in the moment it's just like I I do I do not blame someone for taking that money. I do think it then uh, disqualifies him from being one of those people that's able to 
uh, pontificate about the future of theatrical movie going. That's all of Justin, them. All of them do that shit. Scorsese did it. They guys make movies for Apple and Netflix. Everyone does it. It's like, it's that, that kind of shit is meaningless to me. Like Spielberg and Tarantino have not, uh, Nolan hasn't so far, but there's Uh so many huge directors that have come out and said that. And then just also made movies with these streamers because they will give them more money to make their movies. Yeah. And like that is, that's what I'm saying is that is, that is the thing that I find, uh, irksome and just like toothless in the same way that when that athlete takes the biggest contract instead of going to the better team or uh, or whatever, and then are like, oh, why aren't we winning? It's just, well, you're making $35 million and they don't have any money to pay anyone else. And you're, you're why they're not winning. And you chose the money over choosing winning. And that's... That's fine. That's a valid choice to make, but you don't get to have both. It's a very upsetting situation um, in general. And I want this to be a teaching moment because while I uh, vehemently disagree with Mr. Johnson's decision and uh, harbor some grudge toward him because of it, I'm not attacking him on Twitter. (laughs) Am I? Not I'm to not, my knowledge. I'm no. not sending him. Perhaps uh, you have an army of bot accounts. I'm not sending. Him, I'm not you? sending him DMs. I'm not boycotting him. So I'm not saying anything bad about. Uh, I love. I love the movies. I, I'm just. Uh, you know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. You know. I just. I. I don't want to. I. I. I hate getting into the discourse of Ryan Johnson bad because, because for you know two whole years that was a very, just poisonous part of film Twitter. Sure. And that also made me very angry. Um, for different reasons, so um, I just kind of want to point out that this is just an, a discussion, and then once this stops, there's no more, you know, vitriol from me or, or venom coming uh, coming from me toward him, right? Uh, in any public place, I I will be turning into a Ryan Johnson reply guy. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, so perhaps someone else can take the teachings from your moment, but okay. I'm going all in. Just saying, I'm not on the side of uh, uh, redo the Last Jedi no. or Ryan Johnson. Yeah, well, welcome to welcome to my life. Of film Twitter is right, but they're right for racist reasons, yeah. and I'm right for the movie with bad reasons. Which one are you thinking specifically for yourself? There, I, I don't know. I mean, I get, I guess generally it's more for sexist reasons. Like uh, my go-to is Ghostbusters. Yeah, I. Uh, Though right. I you, I feel like a lot I feel like a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of Star Wars Twitter is mad about uh, these sequels in general for racist and sexist reasons. Yeah. So I'll also go with uh, I'll also go with them. Yeah. And that's not my Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They're wrong. Uh. All right. But Glass Onion made made a lot of money. Could have made way more. Yes. I uh, Devotion also could have made way more. Instead, it made five point nine million dollars, uh, yeah. nine million altogether over the holiday. There was a hope this could be like a mayday, which made like surprisingly eighteen million its opening weekend uh-huh. a few Novembers ago. Um, two hot young actors, even though I think one of them is box office wise hotter than the other. Like, no offense to Glenn Powell, but you know you. You're not a name yet. Jonathan Majors has more pull. Sure. Um, Though Glenn Powell has most recently been in The Thing That Made a Bunch of Money. Yes, but I feel like he's third fiddle there. 
If this was yeah, like, if this was Miles Teller, I'd go okay. Uh-huh. Like if there, Miles Teller is on the FYC sheet for best supporting actor. Sure, for Top Gun. Glenn yeah, Powell I, is not. Glenn Powell is third fiddle, but he's the, he's the villain in the movie, basically. Well, no, uh, uh, um, the uh, the the enemy is <laughs> the new the, the new advanced the, bombers. The, the, are, fifth, the fifth generation the fifth generation fighters, fighters are, are the sure. enemy. <laughs> I, but since they can time, since they can neither speak nor emote, the I, ultimate enemy. Yeah, time. I, I mean, I think Tom Cruise has defeated time. He's in fact, I. No, I'm just saying, like we all see the Jonathan Majors moment coming. Yeah, but it, like, it hasn't actually started yet. No, that's true. Uh, this whereas, is, like, this Glenn, is the precursor. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn Powell does have like pe- people now recognize who he is. Right. Because of being Hangman. What was he just in uh, um, Majors? Was Majors? It, uh, was it something? I feel like we recently like between went Between Loki and this? Yeah, I feel like we recently went into a movie and I said, there we could see three Jonathan Majors trailers. And we were like seeing a movie with him in it? Or does he just have three coming up? I, he's got Creed Yeah, he's three. got three coming up. Cool. So he had this, he's got Ant-Man, and he's got Creed. Okay, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Um, Either way, you have two hot young actors, right? You got a, a World War uh, two, one, two, who knows, story that got good reviews. Played Korean War. Yeah, just the Korean War, in fact. Played in some festivals and uh, looked like uh, good old-fashioned fun, as we've noted before. Yeah. Not Maybe not on the podcast, but in person. But no, I think the marketing just wasn't there at all. I think Columbia uh, Pictures put this in 3,400 theaters, and I feel like we had one trailer. Right. Yeah. yeah, we had one trailer and like nothing else, right? We just there was just no other publicity yeah. at all. No, um, I agree, and I think that that hurt. And I also think that what hurt it is a lack of maybe prestige. These are the kind of movies that you need to have a little bit of buzz for, or get like just a nice juicy veteran for a supporting role. So instead of the guy from the newsroom. Who's married to Amanda Seyfried? Right. You get like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Or you get. What Harrison, if even you just get Jeff Daniels Harrison from the news forward? forward. <laughs> well, or like you get uh, 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 Sandra Bullock. Yeah, sure. I mean that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be incredible. You get Sandra Bullock. Um, some, Works some for Bullet Train. Someone, uh, yeah. Someone to that effect, though. Yeah, um, Brad Pitt. Yeah, sure. I'm really there's like a little tier less than that that I'm thinking, but something to that effect where you get like a Morgan Freeman type to to to, to co-star. Uh, either way, uh, five, six million, nine million, uh, just not very good. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, number five this week was the second weekend of the menu, which made five point two million, a forty two point three percent drop. That is up to eighteen point six. Yeah, you know, a little bit of a harsher drop, but I get it. It's tough because these this weekend is for families and this is a dark comedy uh which i'm comfortable calling it i'm not calling it a horror movie anymore you okay horror I, movie? I mean well i mean this is this is kind of what i was talking about uh when? this was i, th- I think i think we're i think we were having this conversation on the pod last week about like do the trailers tell you what this movie is yes uh, right. And you were like, of course they do. And now we see it and you come out the other side and you're like, that wasn't what I thought it would be. Well, Aha. I think, no, no, 
I think what I was responding to was, do the horror movies tell you what type of movie it is? And going in, based on the trailers, I was like, yes, it's very clear what this movie is. But then the movie turned out not to be. You know what I mean? Like, the trailers didn't leave me ambiguous going, is this horror? Is this thriller? Is this a drama? Sure, but... The trailers were cut to make it seem like it was like a horror movie. Right. And then Ex- it turned out. Except, uh, I, think, I think just by asking the question, like, I didn't... I disagree. Mm. I think the trailers were... Uh, and clearly, like, yeah, not not really, uh, not really clear what was going on. I do agree with you that it, it is ultimately more of like a dark horror comedy, yeah, uh, than it is a horror movie. Uh, once again, good for Searchlight for putting it out into wide release. Um, it'll get to you know twenty five. Maybe close to thirty. I doubt it, though, especially with Violent Night coming out soon, taking yeah. away that R-rated crowd. But uh, worldwide, it has made just over thirty, and that was its budget. So, um, say lovey. Yeah. All right. Elsewhere, I have for you. Uh, let's talk about Bones and All, which expanded into two thousand seven hundred theaters. Huge expansion. And didn't do well for it. I mean, this isn't the type of movie people are going to go see over Thanksgiving. No, or ever. No one's going to go see Bones and All. <laughs> uh, we will. Yeah, I mean, like, someone's going to go listen, see it. It's going to make a listen. couple million dollars, but, like... Everyone assumes Timothy Chalamet is a giant star. He's not. If Wonka makes money... Uh-huh. Okay. But Dune did not sell on his back. Sorry. Uh, Call Me By Your Name. Batista. Was, yeah. Call Me By Your Name was a hit uh, for an indie. Um, what the hell else was he in? Little, He's a side character in Little Women, Lady Bird. I mean, he's, you know what I mean? He's yeah. not this giant star, and this 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 proves it. But um, it's supposed to be a good movie, and uh, it just didn't work out. Two million. Um, it's now at just under four, and that'll be that pretty soon. Uh, she I, set. Go ahead. I do agree with you that Timothy Chalamet is pro- is probably not like a giant movie star. Right. But this is a weird, like, quiet cannibal movie made by Luca Guadagnino. Yeah. I. It's like this. This wasn't gonna make money if it starred Tom Holland and Zendaya. I know. <laughs> probably not. Like it might have made five million dollars this yeah, weekend. It would have made more. But like it's this is yeah. never gonna be a movie where like they expanded to two thousand theaters Zendaya, and it, and it's huge. Zendaya is in his next movie, which takes place in the world of tennis and is a comedy. Okay. Like I think like a raunchy comedy. People like raunch, that's fine. That's great. And I, I love well, I love that you pairings Tom of Holland actors and, and actresses. Well, I'm just, I, yeah, no, I, I, well, I'm just saying Bones and All was doomed from the start commercially. Just funny mentions and die, and then I realized yeah. that he he did make, uh, uh, or no, he didn't make Dune. Sorry, never mind. Yeah, um, no, it's uh, it's Zendaya and Mike. Great cast. Mike faced his uh, okay, first film sure. after West Side. And then uh, Josh O'Connor, who plays Prince Charles in The Crown, and uh, the wife and coach of a famed tennis player in the middle of a losing streak, signs him up for a challenger event where they discover he will compete against his former lover. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that sounds Romantic good. Romantic sports and, like, comedy. That that has that has potential to be like. Well, yes. uh, I mean, like I and like this is 
Uh, this is reaching for reaching for heights that I don't think it can get to. What do you got? Uh, but like that could be something like the favorite, which yeah. I, which I recall did pretty well for its kind of thing. Well, let's look it up. I. But like if it if it's really good and it's making like a lot of awards plays and uh, it's you know it's funny. Like those kind of things can make Favorite some made money. Thirty four, wow, yeah, you know, a lot internationally. It made ninety ninety six worldwide. Yeah, um, the, the cannibal love story just is not going to make money ever. Sorry, guys. No, it's not. Uh, the chosen season three, episode one and two uh, dropped. You find it all the way down there at number ten. Yeah, eighty two percent. In weekend two, uh, thirteen million. I mean, I think Fathom Events is fine with that. They knew they had a one, yeah, one week thing. Um, so I want to mention that. And then she said also in its second weekend, uh, increased by a whopping one theater, which is just strange. That is that they just said, here play our movie into one theater, um, and that dropped fifty percent, one point one. It's got four point three so far. And that is all I have. All right. Well, then it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Did, Did it make, make more or less than, than Timothy Chalamet's Little Women? We all know how to play. I name a movie. You tell me whether it made more or less than Timothy Chalamet's Little Women at the box office. For a bonus point, you can tell me whether or not Timothy Chalamet is in it. Now it's whether or not what year the movie came out. Are you ready to play? Um. Yeah. Your first film is Tomorrowland. Oh, God. Less. That did make less yeah. than Little Women. 2015. That is also correct. Yeah. Uh, so your streak of zeroing the first movie is over as you have very quickly uh, got maximum points. Can you continue it with Pacific Rim? Uh, more. The first one? The first one. More. Less, actually. <gasps> 2013? That is correct. Uh, so you have secured the win. And now can you run up the score with glass? More. That was more, yes. 2019. That is also correct. Nice. Uh, very strong five-point outing. Uh, and now we move on to come and gone from a theater near you. Brian, are you ready to go back in time? Yep. The year is 2007. It is Thanksgiving weekend of 2007. Uh, and there Four are... Four Christmases. That is not it. Is that on the list at all? No. Fred Claus. Uh, that is not it, but is on the list. Uh, A you Christmas... Were... Shh. I was what, close? You were close with Four Christmases. But Vince Vaughn was in Fred Claus. He couldn't be in something else. <laughs> I I think he could be in something else. I don't believe he is, but I'll double check. Uh, no, he is not in something else. Uh, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. No. Oh, this is when you guys saw B-Movie without me. That's on the list. That was in its fourth it's on weekend. on the list. B-Movie, that means Beowulf's on the list. It is. And in its second weekend. American Gangster. Uh, that is in its fourth weekend. God damn Came it. out the same week as B-Movie. <laughs> Classic I double feature. I know. 
I was close with four Christmases. So three Christmases, five Christmases. There are two movies, by the way, that I'm... Uh, Reese yeah, Witherspoon? I'm getting you to go for here. No. Vince Vaughn again? No. Oh. <laughs> Not so much in the cast. The premise? Christmas with the Cranks? Deck the Halls? No and no. But the holiday, uh, yeah. Christmas Carol? The holiday aspect, no. <laughs> Bless you. Um, think perhaps a Christmas movie that is not necessarily targeted at uh, you nor I. So it's targeted at Joe. No, also not Joe. <laughs> Joe least of all. <laughs> all right, let's see. Is it um, Harry Potter? And, no. Okay, all right, get that out of the way before I think of which movie it was. Uh, it's a year before Twilight. Uh, all right, give me a clue, I guess. All right. That sucks. I should know this one. I, I know this year. So let's see. This movie was written, directed, and produced by the same what? man. Uh, as well, it was also produced by a very prominent, uh, oft spoke of on this podcast producer, uh, Jason who, Blum. No, Brian Grazer. No. Uh, okay, keep. Going. Was produced. I'm just. Gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and name Will should... Packer produced this film. Oh, <laughs> ooh, that's interesting. Oh, is it a Medea movie or it Tyler Perry? Uh, no. Really? Son of a bitch! I said writer director and a, producer. Was, yeah, producer. Uh, Preston Whitmore the second. No, I don't know that one. Almost Christmas. I uh, know, but close. This Christmas. Yeah, there it is. This Christmas. You were close because the family is getting together for the first time in four years. Oh, funny. Yes. Uh, third. Well, God, what am I guessing? I, five day, the three day. Well, yeah, you tell me. I guess me the here. five day. I'll say thirteen. The five day was twenty six. Wow. <laughs> Once again, Will Packer is. I think also uh, just the before times. Yeah, probably. <laughs> People just saw movies. Uh, and then your number one film this weekend. I uh, let's see. This is a family film. It's definitely a uh, the kind of thing you see released around Thanksgiving. Yeah, hold on. Oh God, not tangled. Um, that was a few years later. Um, all right, go ahead. This movie is in fact uh, currently back in the discourse. Right now, as we speak. Why? I Puss in Boots. No. no. Why? I because it has uh, it has been expanded upon. A sequel was made. In theaters. Oh, enchanted. I don't know if I'd say in theaters. Enchanted. Enchanted. enchanted <laughs> it is enchanted. enchanted, enchanted yes. Enchanted. I just watch both of those. Uh, just watch both of them. How is it? Enchanted? Yeah. It's good. It's cute. How's the other one? No, not good. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. That's a shame. No, no, no. 
Um. All right, Enchanted, I should know. All right, Enchanted 5-Day, I'm going to say 42. 49 in the 5-Day, oh. yeah. uh, which I think in the holiday weekends we count that as a win because right. the numbers are weird. Uh, this weekend also saw the release of a bunch of other shit that I'm, uh, I wasn't going to have you guess, but uh, Hitman Do the, um, oh, fuck. How came ma- out this How many more are there? I do well the, do the IMDb logline. Okay, I how many more are there? Let's see. There are three others that I was going to mention. Do it. Do the logline. I'll right, get them in two see. seconds. I very excited about this. And in or- the Valley of Ella. No. Damn. An orphaned. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Musical prodigy. Oh, hold on now. The soloist. No. Keep going. August Rush. Yes. <laughs> Freddy. All right. Let's see. The next one. How many guesses what August Rush made? Oh. <laughs> uh, 11. Uh, let's, sorry. I'd actually navigated away for That's the next fine. one. Yeah, it was 13. Yeah. 13 for the five day. Uh, Some theaters. All right. Let's see. A Freak Storm. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> Unleashes a species. Oh, hold on. Hold now. Keep going. Of bloodthirsty the creatures. The, re- the reaping. No. Okay. On a small town. The mist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Everyone's favorite movie. Yeah. And then, let's see. Your last one. Ruminations on the life. Sorry, oh, ruminations. Okay, I thought yes. room of nations, like the interpreter. Yeah, took place at the UN. Um, okay, ruminations on a life of Bob Dylan. Oh, <laughs> okay. Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> yes, I don't. We, know what we've been talking. We've been talking about. I'm not Five. there recently. How many theaters is that in? Uh, I'm not there is in 130 theaters. Okay, I'm not guessing that. No. All right. <laughs> that was it. Okay, great. That it. Hey, yeah, listen. That's, that's all we got. Season screenings. No, this was your pick for the Thanksgiving yes. movie. You picked The Last Waltz. Released April 26th. Nice Thanksgiving movie. 1978. Uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. Scorsese, what do you say? Scorsese. I do too. Except for this time. A film account and presentation of the final concert of the band. 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, 88 on Metacritic. Noah, you hadn't seen this movie. I'm um, not. Just so we're clear, uh, April was when it came out, but they the concert was on. Or one of the, They filmed two concerts. Yes. One of the concerts was on Thanksgiving. Yes, indeed. And he that says is, at the beginning, Happy Thanksgiving. That is why this is a Thanksgiving movie. That's right. You, what did you think? How familiar were you with the band? Uh, I'm familiar with the band. Yeah. I, I like I know of them generally. I am fond of their hits. Yeah. I couldn't really name like their deep cuts. Right. Uh, but I know that they're like maybe you can now. They're kind of like the musicians' musician. Yeah. Uh, everyone loves the band. Everyone worked with the band. I clearly everyone's in the movie. Yeah. I mean, sometimes what you need for a documentary is like a gripping tale with twists and turns or like to expose something that 
people didn't really know about and are kind of like educate, shocked educate and like, you. Yeah. yeah or sometimes you have to be like what if the band had every other musician on stage for their final concert and we filmed it and then talked to them about their lives yeah and like that that's it that's all that's all you need it's not all that's going on here there are there is like a an interesting perspective yeah about and, like the end of this kind of rock and roll the 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 um the kind of where the tour and yeah. kind of traveling and being in music then will give you and 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 things like that yeah and i what i what i found most interesting about this movie i uh, other than just that it was cool as shit i uh, was that there was there was basically no discussion of the music mm-hmm. like there there was there was never anything of like what was it like to write the weight right i uh, or like how do you like what when do you what do you do to produce a song or anything or like what is what is your favorite instrument not none of that right it was it was all cl- it was all clear that they were uh that they were musicians and had like a a fondness and talent for this but this was more about like all right you guys have been big rock stars in your own rights and also have just kind of existed alongside of Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton, et cetera, and Joni so Mitchell, on. Mitchell, Ringo yeah. Starr, I, Neil Diamond, Neil Young, and and now like that's all not not that's all over, but like yeah, that's all over. Like this is the end of this is the end of a chapter for you, and like what's it what's it like to look back just on on your music career now that you're choosing to wrap it up? Yeah, I and that was that was just a very interesting perspective for me. Mm-hmm. I and I thought that Scorsese was also very smart to realize that like you know we're not focusing on the individual songs so much it's the performance and it's like the band members and their lives I but also like the weight's a big deal yeah so let's like shoot it separate yeah <laughs> let's build a little set and just shoot them doing the weight with the Staple Sisters and then and then I'll I'll, that'll be it we're done they do that other song with Emmylou Harris on the stage yes and they close it out with uh, the last waltz performing the last waltz um so you liked it then yeah that was great that was was really great yeah it's it's pretty remarkable especially if if like you know I I wasn't as familiar with the band I've, I've heard a few of their songs but like and it's not even like really my kind of music. Like I, I can appreciate that kind of music more than be like, Oh, I want to listen. Like I'm thinking of mainly like the slower stuff of the bluegrass stuff they play. Sure. But when you're watching it, you're just like, boy, this is just captivating. Yeah. Shit. These guys like, are fucking just, great and like you, unique. You just can't look away from it. And so even if you don't like this kind of, you know, late seventies, Music, you're just still like, man, look at them go. They're they're so well respected. Look at the people. They got Buddy uh, Muddy Waters coming out to yeah. sing with them, and um, and I think that Scorsese has like 90 setups. <laughs> There's like seeming to be cameras everywhere. Yeah, so and, many different. And I know he shot two concerts, but like so many different camera angles for these songs that it's it's shot so well, and like it's it goes by it went by really quickly this time. Mm-hmm. Um. I watched this for the first time over the the quarantine, and uh, it is just like people say it's like the best rock doc, and it, yeah, but it's because the music's so good. Like I just think that that plays a part in you know 
if a rock documentary is any good is is the music that they're playing good you know you could yeah you can make a rock documentary about I was gonna say Nickelback but like I just feel like that's so cliche sure but like a band that you don't really that doesn't have good so- yeah if they, if they made the same doc because I was thinking about like about kids bop yeah, if they made a documentary about Kids Bop, and it was a Kids Bop concert. You'd be like, "Oh, this is garbage." Yeah. I, I was, I was even thinking like something that's something that's not like actively bad. Yeah, but like if they made the same movie, but about uh, now I've forgotten the name of the fucking band. Uh, my God, who are they? Like the the modern day. Uh, it's 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 completely lost me. I can't even uh, yeah. can't even describe. Yeah, I can't are. even like do one of their songs. Uh, but yeah, the 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 point is that like the band is great and the people that they have playing with them are also great. Yeah. And that Scorsese just like recognized that it was happening and was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put make this into a movie real quick. And you can like feel the the cocaine like emanates off the screen, not yeah. like a. A chaotic energy way but you can just it's so the room is very smoky the colors are dark it feels very 70s and of its time and and that's part of the reason why i think it's you know there are certain movies that like people say are timeless yeah we're like you you can watch you know this movie 50 years from now and it's going to feel just as fresh i think the same can probably be said about movies that don't feel that way and that's why they're great you know what I mean? Like yeah. Casablanca is not a movie that you could release now in theaters and people would go, look at this new movie. It has the same kind of sensibilities in film that we have now in current film. And I think that's why it's so good. It's like a timestamp of film technique, of film theory, of film artistry, of right. pacing. And that's what makes them good. And I think the same is said here. This This is, you know, like that stadium when there's filming in the studio, it feels like a kind. Now we think of it as a cheap music video. Like there's, he has like smoke coming through. And yeah. Like it's lit like a very old music video, but that's part of what makes this so endearing is because it, it doesn't feel timeless. It feels so much of its time, which also then helps with what the movie's actually about and everything like that. It's really great. Yeah. Uh, the name of the band I was trying to conjure and could not was Greta Van Fleet. Oh, okay, people don't like them. No, that's but that's that's what I'm saying. Is like they're a fine band, right. and they have like a couple of songs that I really enjoy. But like they're, I do not think that they are something special. Right. I think they are a fine band, and that's that's not enough. The quality of the music yeah. is uh, particularly um, uh, particularly important. This is a very pleasant watch. Yes, and it's really terrific movie. Uh, out of four leftovers. How many are you giving The Last Waltz? This is a firm four. Yeah, me as well. Four as well. And for our stockings, no, our side dish, is I think what we were calling this, uh, we watched an episode of, so for the side dishes, which we'll change the name, the little TV episodes we'll be watching, because there are no Hanukkah movies, well, there's one, but we watched it and it's terrible. Um, (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) We are really, I think our last ditch effort is this year where we are watching, attempting to find eight Hanukkah episodes of shows that we can watch and discuss. So this week's is from the show My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend called My Mom, Greg's Mom, and Josh's, Josh's, (laughs) Josh's. 
It's called My Mom, Greg's Mom, and Josh's Sweet Dance Moves. That's right. First season, episode eight. It's the eighth episode of the whole show. Um, November 30th, 2015, almost uh, seven years ago. Nice. This is a show I've seen all the way through. I very much enjoy it. It was critically acclaimed when it's run. It won uh, an Emmy for songwriting. Um, and it delves into some pretty serious issues by the end. But right now, we're all about being in love and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you haven't seen this. I've, I've shown you a few clips here and there. Yeah. But um, what did you think of this episode of My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Um, this was a good episode of My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, the sort of central tension is that uh, Rachel's mother is visiting. Yes, her very uh, overbearing Jewish mother. Yes. Uh, Rachel, meanwhile, is uh, also also Jewish, but is someone whose apartment is decorated fully for Christmas, for Christmas yeah. uh, and just does not... Very uh, common amongst us uh, younger generation of Jews. Yeah. Does not seem to really live up to her mother's expectations, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, she's got to put on that she, in fact, is a a very, a very proud and devoted Jew and is... Uh, you know, a big successful person, big in successful her new lawyer. Life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She works for a very Jewish law firm. Was closed over Hanukkah. Uh, they're all in Israel, yeah. <laughs> so she can't go to the office. Um, yeah, it. Uh, you know, I chose it was on the list. Um, the image of her looking at the Hanukkah signs and going like, "Which one of you is right?" right. All the different spellings. This classic, and then I do love the song. Where's the bathroom? Sure, that is actually something that you'd shown me before. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy that song a lot. It's it's very uh, kind of the epitome of some overbearing Jewish mothers, or well, I was not really overbearing, but just some uh, traits that they share. Sure, um, the passive aggressive. Uh, you know, I say uh, you're chubby. It's not an insult. It's just a fact. That kind of thing. Where it's right. like I'm not insult. Don't take it as an insult. I'm just saying something that's actually happening. Um, but so the Hanukkah thing isn't really a huge, that's really the main part of it that's Hanukkah themed. Yeah. But it's still there. And also the movie, the episode's very much about Jewishness. There's a that great speech at the end where the mom kind of says, you know, this is how we raise our children because we need you to be strong. Uh, you know, if the Cossacks ever come again. You right. can break. And that is, a, that is a big kind of um, layering in of, of our mythology. The idea that like at any moment... You know, we could be rich, which feels very, very prevalent and uh, uh, scary, scarily, uh, um, you know, yeah. things that are going on on the mind um, that the news. we have to. There are a lot of comedians who made the, the bit that we have to be ready at all times, ready yeah. to go. Um, and so I did like that idea of kind of explaining the overbearingness as like a way to just make you strong and kind of give you an armor um even if it's the wrong approach the intent behind it and i I think that's a nice way to look at it i thought that was really nice angle uh for the speech the one who plays the mom is really good and and rachel's really good um what uh and then we had two side plots the josh one is whatever he dances and then uh the greg one uh he goes to dinner and kind of parallel things with the mothers in the episode um but uh, yeah, I mean the the episode is very Jewish in that regard. Yeah, I a lot of a uh, lot of fun. Enjoyed watching it as someone who came into it for the first time. Uh, you explained to me that the Greg character was kind of like the being set up as the main love interest, right? Going forward, yes. I 
Real bad introduction to him. Yeah, he does, does not kiss does not a much younger character who they they don't have any romantic thing. They may be further now that I'm thinking about it. That might go on for a little bit. Okay, but no, it does. She ends that, up somebody else, and that was not the problem I had. <laughs> uh, what was the problem? It was just like a very rude and unpleasant person. Yeah, I told throughout. you he, he's like the Nick almost. Like I feel like if 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 on a certain point in New Girl you could go to a kind of a more serious Nick episode and uh-huh. just show somebody that and he could come off as like, oh, you're just very unpleasant. Maybe. But, but like I Greg is more unpleasant. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like Nick is constantly portrayed as like his 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 serious failings are rooted in his like his uh, his anxieties and insecurities. Uh, whereas this guy was just like, my mother's a bitch. And yeah. then they got to his house and she was like, welcome home, my son. He was like, fuck you. Yeah. He's I also, like, oh, I don't, I don't like is, you. That's very much a trope in things that happened twice in will and grace, which I'm rewatching the idea of like, get ready for my, I think both times it's father, my father, yeah. he's a, he's a monster. And then he comes in and he goes like, Hey, and then they go, see what I mean? You know? And everyone yeah. else is like, what? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Nick's also just more of like a goofy curmudgeon. He's a little bit dim and, and right. whatever. So yeah, I, I, yeah, he's much goofier. Whereas this guy just seemed like a person that he's very, could actually yeah. exist. Nick cannot exist. <laughs> Nick Nick doesn't exist, and this guy is uh, very um, hardened by the, which is part of what him and you know Rachel will bring on each other sure um but no it, it's a very it's it's just a very underrated show the songs are really good they have like two or three original songs every episode yeah and um sort of like a more intense Bob's Burgers yes and uh and then we get into a lot of psychosis and mental illness and all this kind of stuff that's really well handled and makes the show uh very very captivating but um yeah, it's just a nice little. I'm I'm glad that the episode, even if it didn't feature Hanukkah, did fe- did feature you know a lot of bits about uh, how Jewish parents raise their children. And right. At least kept it in that circle. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, recommend a movie for the folks this week slash weekend. All right. I I think I am going to be alone in this recommendation. I but sure. I'm not recommending Strange World, so that's not. <laughs> But you see, the world is just—it's different, uh, and they have what to save the day. What have you seen? I well, I enjoyed the menu in a way that you didn't. Oh yeah, that's true. I, that's true. Yeah, I I do I do agree that it is more of a dark comedy with uh-huh. uh, with horror shading than it is a horror movie. But I thought it was just a uh, I thought it, I thought it was funny. I guess okay. I, just, I thought the comedy was good. I the observations were not deep, but they were well yeah. made. Yeah. I. And uh, I thought it was a uh, I thought it was a good time, and the uh, the two main performers were uh, fine and enjoy. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I enjoyed both of their performances in the movie, and I, yeah. I liked it. I thought Nick I liked Holt, it. I thought Nick Holt was good too. Uh, oh <laughs> yeah, Joey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I mean, yeah, Nicholas Holt was also uh, was also good. Hong shows is a ton of fun. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, the, no, no the, one's the bad performances are good. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I'm, I was very close to recomm- being able to recommend, the, not on this podcast, but just in my review. I, yeah. you know, not a review, but if I was yeah. writing a review. Your, yeah, I, your impression of the movie I, was almost a positive. two and a half and it's, you know, out of four. So it's like right. just there, but it doesn't quite work for me as a whole. 
I'm going to recommend a little movie that I really hope you can find. I feel like it's maybe in, I don't know, a dozen theaters now. But we saw a movie uh, on Tuesday night called After Sun. Indeed. That How many theaters was that in? 75. Yeah, not a lot. No. Um, but it is one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that is. Just an incredible an incredible piece of scaled down intimate character driven and textured work this is this movie is all about putting you in a place uh and making you feel like you can touch the walls you know yeah. you feel like you're there in that moment it's such a small film the dialogue is very minimal uh the camera work is is beautiful the performances are beautiful and it's very haunting and um and just like so fucking good. It's yeah. so good. For me, this is one of those movies that's like a thinker, both both in the way that it, it is like a a pretty sort of heady movie as you're watching it. Yeah. But like as we came out of the movie, I was like, wow, that was really good. Yeah. I really liked that movie. And then I kind of sat with it and thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that was really good. That was, re- that was really good. <laughs> I, I, Holy I got shit. It, that I movie got it. was fucking excellent. I got it earlier than you. And there's something very special about being in a movie and maybe halfway through going, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And then you're just enjoying the second half of the next 40 minutes just going like, oh, I'm watching something really good right now. And that's cool, man. Like, especially when it's on, unex- you know, you go to see Tar and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. But like, right. this is like, Oh, this is like watching like Whiplash for the first time. Be like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. What is this movie? Um, no, it's great, and I, I recommend finding it. Or if it's on on demand, paying the twenty bucks, I think it's all worth it. It's really, really great. Hundred percent. All right, uh, plug us up. All right, you can find us at what's in the box We're on Twitter at witboxoffice. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. I'm at Brian Deserber D A S U R B E R, and I'm also going to start. Um, that I just decided now plugging my letterbox. Oh, nice. So let me see if that's the same. It is. It's Brian DeServer on letterbox as well. I have a four star rating system. I don't subscribe to their five stars. If you see a two star movie, it means it was bad, but not terrible. Whereas I use the five star. Uh, I believe I'm Endrukey on there. I can so look find for you. Both. I, did you just check or no? I did. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I use the, uh, I use the five star and yeah. prefer it. Two star movies are not good at all. <laughs> uh, next week, did you decide on your movie? Um, no, I have not done that yet. All right. I don't have it either. But for the next two weeks, we are going to be watching a December or winter blockbuster. Something that came out in the winter makes you feel like, oh, yeah, this is a movie that you saw bundled up in coats and had to find a place for your coat in a packed theater or you went over the holidays or you came out, you went at three and you came out and it was completely dark and you were like, what's happening? Is it nine o'clock? No, it's five. Um, Those kind of movies. And uh, that'll be the next two weeks. Uh, And also Violent Night. Is that going to do anything? Probably not, but it might. It might. If all the stars align, make $13 million. Oh, baby. <laughs> this is almost the same amount as John Wick uh, who, with the same producers as this movie. All there right. you go. And then Violent Night 3 will make 100 Violent Night Parabellum. <laughs> um, wait, Violent Night 3. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of any Christmas thing that I can think of that's one word. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I uh, hope it doesn't matter. All right. That's it. I'm cutting it off. We've been on here long enough. How long is this podcast? Uh, we're at a me- hour 15. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. Okay. That's it. We'll see you next week. This has been What's in the Box Office. I've been your host, Brian. I've been your host, Noah. And until then, if you feel safe, go see a movie.